Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Join me at Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. There you'll get early access reviews to movies such as Suspiria, as well as this month I've done some quick takes of all of the uh, newer movies that, new movies to me as far as horror movies, uh, that are exclusive to patrons of the uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Uh, this month, I wanted to uh, bring in somebody whom I've known for a few years. We met at the uh, movie theater that uh, I currently work at and he used to work at. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about our time uh, working together was whenever we would talk about movies and especially when we would talk about horror movies. So I thought it'd be a good idea to bring him on to the show and uh, have just a little bit of a further discussion on the horror movie genre. Uh, please welcome to the show, Jay Barber. Thank you for joining me. Sure, thanks for the invite. So uh, before we before we get to anything else, um, <clears throat> what, uh, what, what drew you to the uh, horror genre in particular? I've definitely been fascinated by horror um, ever since I was a kid. Honestly, I think what sealed the deal for me uh, growing up, I grew up in a very religious household. Mm -hmm. uh, so horror was something that was always discouraged <laughs> in our house. Um, my parents, mostly my mom, but she just hated horror growing up, um, did her best to prevent us from watching anything horror related when we were at a really young age. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously when you're a kid, you know, anytime you're told not to do something, you obviously want to do <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite. So yeah. as a kid, um, horror was just something that was like so mysterious to me just because I didn't really get into it, um, very often. So anytime I was over to a friend's house, that's pretty much all we would ever do is watch horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's just because I was like doing something as a kid that I felt like I shouldn't be doing, but I'm pretty sure that's where my love of horror came from. Um, so when I was in fifth grade over at a friend's house, uh, I watched the exorcist mm. and, to this day, I still have never been traumatized like I was watching The Exorcist. And I'm pretty much certain that The Exorcist is the reason why I love horror so much. Mm -hmm. And I've bought every edition of The Exorcist on every format that's ever come out. And I have not seen The Exorcist since I was in fifth grade. I'm honestly <laughs> like so nervous to watch it because I hold it in such high regards. I'm yeah. just so nervous it's not going to hold up, but that is the movie I think that got me into the genre. That's a brutal one to watch at such a young age. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, you know, uh, when I was in, I think it was about third grade, I first watched uh, the Friday 13th movie that had come out at the time as well as like the first nightmare on Elm street movie. And even at, at that point, my, my mother, uh, my mother wasn't overly uh, conservative, but she was certainly concerned that I was so fascinated about these, uh, movies about these killers that just, 
uh, wouldn't die and right. the supernatural aspects of that. And so I think I I think because of that, I sort of backed away from the genre for a bit uh, for a number of years. But yeah, I, I can't imagine what was like watching. I watched The Exorcist when I was in my late teens, early 20s. So, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, it's like, so I was well prepared for what it was, what, what to expect for that. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite a, that's quite an introduction to the genre. It was an experience for sure. And I will <laughs> never forget it. I mean, we had to just pause the movie every, you know, 20 minutes or so. And I've just never been affected like that since. Right. I, I certainly don't blame you. Um, so that, and that's also kind of interesting that you haven't, you've owned it on like every format imaginable, <laughs> but you still haven't watched it again. Right. Um, I'm just so scared to, but a part of me <laughs> is just dying to all of these years. Well, I know one of the, well, and you know, I, I brought up the Friday 13th franchise, uh, earlier and that was one of the reasons uh, that I kind of wanted to uh, talk to you because of the fact that I know that's one of the that's one of the conversations I enjoyed because I I think around the time that uh, we started talking at work was when I sort of started making my way back into the Friday series mm-hmm. after a long time of not really watching it and that that was around the time that the uh, reboot uh, came out and so. When when did you I can't remember when did you start to uh when was it you started to watch the uh Friday series So it's funny when you and I had that conversation which was maybe only 4 or 5 years ago um mm-hmm. I think we were both watching them around the same time so maybe like 6 or 7 years ago I yeah. kind of as a Halloween tradition I would choose typically a long horror franchise to watch all the way through from start to finish mm-hmm. uh, every Halloween. Um, so a lot of them actually I hadn't seen. So Friday the 13th um, was one that I think I'd seen the original and the remake before I decided to watch the entire series, but I had never seen any of the sequels until this point. So yeah. I guess about like four years ago, I just decided to watch all of them. Um, <laughs> and Honestly, I think, well, I will say I think overall as a long series, I think Nightmare on Elm Street probably has the best entries out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a couple of pretty terrible ones, but I think the quality in that franchise is a little bit better than the Friday the 13th series is. Yeah. Um, there are some really bad movies <laughs> in the Friday the 13th series, but it's also just a ton of fun. And mm-hmm. what's so much fun about the series to me is that they just – they're so different. Like they don't really run together as much as some other franchises. Um, and so I'm actually in the middle of rewatching the series right now. And Mm. the first time I watched the entire series, I remember when I got to part six, Jason lives. And I think we talked about this. Um, part six is by far my favorite Mm. of all of the sequels. Um, and so as we speak right now, I'm actually about to watch part six. So I just got to part <laughs> five this past weekend. Yeah. So this weekend, um, I will be watching Jason lives and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so it's kind of interesting to watch the series again, a second time. Um, I had actually forgotten a lot about it. 
Um, I don't know if you want me to avoid any spoilers or all. Although no, these that's, are that's all right. I mean, pretty they, old at this point. Yeah, I mean they're they're <laughs> old enough at this point where it's like if if you're if you're not expecting spoilers on something like this, I would kind of be surprised. <laughs> I mean, especially if I'm if I'm talking to a filmmaker and I'm talking about their film, I'm gonna be more cautious. If right. I'm talking about like if I'm talking with somebody about particular movies that have been out for like 30, 20, 30 years, it's like yeah, you've probably seen it. So Yeah. Um No, I mean Jason Lives is definitely probably my favorite of the sequels as well. I think I watched not including Frey versus Jason, I've watched six of the other uh Friday movies this October. Okay. Um I've watched the four that I own, which are one and two, and then Jason Lives in New Blood. And then uh Stars no, I, and then I've watched Frey versus Jason. Then I've watched, uh, and then Stars actually has Jason X on. Okay. It. So I've watched all of those. So it's funny because four and five I actually have not seen since I was a kid. Gotcha. Um, six was at Jason Lives was actually the last one I watched, and that when I was in like third, fourth grade watching them, and then it was a long break before I went back to uh, watching a Friday movie. I think Jason okay. was the first one. Um, but I think I watched <laughs> one and two every once in a while because I had those videotapes. Um, but yeah, I think Jason X was like the first one since Jason Lives that I had watched that was new to me. And uh, yeah, J Jason Lives is just such a fun movie and it's because of the fact that it really leans into the absurdity of that franchise right and i i love and especially the the opening with tommy jarvis uh and and that's sort of a part of that franchise that's just so weird to me just the <laughs> like in the middle of the franchise with final chapter, new beginning, and Jason lives, they decide, oh, we need a protagonist to go against Jason. Right. And, uh, but I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily intended that way because final chapter was really going to be considered the final chapter. But, uh, and then the next year later, they did uh, new beginning. But yeah, when Tommy Jarvis goes and uh, he, he and his, uh, buddy go to dig up Jason and he wants to make sure he's dead and stuff like that. It's like that, that opening is just so crazy to me that it's like, okay, this, this guy's not stable, but he's, and no. he, he kind of brings it upon himself that Jason comes back. <laughs> and I think the opening scene just sets the tone so well for that movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the first one that just doesn't really take itself very seriously. Mm. And I think that just works so well with the franchise yeah. and like rewatching them right now. I mean, this is pretty typical for sequels, especially in the horror genre, but starting with one and now that I'm through five, the, the practical effects and the kill scenes just keep escalating with mm -hmm. each entry and getting more and more over the top, which is something that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and then when it gets to part six, it's just like, <laughs> totally over the top and through the roof and it's just so much fun well and i think it's really interesting that 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 is written and directed by the exact same person like it's it it's almost like 
Paramount realized that this guy had a very, this guy had very, probably pitched this idea to them. And it's like, here, here's my idea. And I hope you let me sort of write it and direct it. And then he, he goes off and just, it, it is completely in tone. It's very much unlike any of the other Friday movies, even Jason X, although even Jason X watch, rewatching it again has a very knowing tone to it. It I does. I don't think it quite succeeds as on the same level as Jason Lives does, <laughs> but just because of the fact that just the idea of like these kids in their 20s being like scientists in the 21st <laughs> century and all of that stuff, and the fact that it wastes David Cronenberg by having him in, in the opening scene only, um, <laughs> is is just and it it is it is boiled down to the humor in Jason Lives where that movie really finds its footing and it's like it's so wink wink at the camera at times that it it's just a lot of fun. Right. And it's really the first time that we to see that in the series. Yeah. I I will say I I've always um, I've always looked at, I do love the first movie. I, I love the first two movies. I've always, I always sort of think of them as, as part of the same story. Cause two very much builds off of what happened in part one. And I think, uh, part one very much is, <clears throat> And I, I think one of the things that's so great about part two is that it it just really feels like it makes part one a better movie because of the fact that it's very much a direct sequel, very much deals with Jason, even though it's kind of ridiculous that he would, you know, survive for all that time after having drowned but the i feel like there's kind of a connection there with him when it comes to his mother that is it just it just brings something out of one when you put them t- both together right yeah i think part 2 is pretty much like the perfect continuation of the first and i actually think it's a better movie overall mm-hmm. um and then you would get to part three, which I think is by far the worst of the first six. Yeah. Um, it's really the only one that I just don't care for mm-hmm. in the first half of the franchise. But um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with just the gratuitous um, 3D shots yeah. <laughs> sprinkled throughout <laughs> the entire movie. Well, and it also doesn't help because I rewatched three for the first time in like three decades last year when it was on Stars. And... Uh, I I I just like the only there are only two reasons that three should really are really worth watching at all, and that's because that's the one where he gets the hockey mask, and you have that kind of awesome, insane disco version of the theme song at the <laughs> beginning. Those are the only two reasons you should ever watch three at all. Like three is you you're right. I mean three is definitely the worst of the six. And I think it's also because of the fact it's because the characters are just the cannon fodder for Jason is just not interesting and not likable at all. Uh, in addition no. to the 
three D effects being so three D shots being so painfully obvious. Right. And there are just so many pointless characters in that movie. Yeah. Um, mostly just the group of people that they run into at that convenience store. I mean, just totally pointless characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And seven, I, I will say like seven through 10, like it was a while. I, I, it was about a decade ago, I think, before I finally, when I finally watched uh, seven, eight, nine. And, um, I was pleasantly surprised watching all of those, just how much I was, how much I was interested in those movies, how much they held my interest. I mean, I think really? New Blood, I think works as, it's one of my favorite, I, it is one of my favorite sequels. Um, and it's because of the fact that the main girl, Tina, and that character, if it were just a story about that character, it would be interesting, and then the way you have Jason be a part of that is it it brings the entertainment level up to it. I think. I'll be interested to give them a second shot. Um, of all the sequels, the last time I did this, I remembered really disliking Jason Goes to Hell and Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, so I'll see how I feel this time around. Um, but once again, Jason X came in to save the day, just like <laughs> just like Jason Lives did. As soon as things yeah. started to kind of get like normal and routine, um, those two movies just. <laughs> well, okay, I I will admit that I I agree with you on Jason Takes Manhattan. I I was I remembered like I even though I didn't watch it in my teens. I I was always I always just love the I, that title Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I and I wanted to watch it for the longest time. I didn't, but when I did, God was that movie terrible. And it wasn't just because <laughs> of the fact that a he doesn't get to Manhattan, better known as I think Toronto's <laughs> where they uh, or Ontario right. I think is when they where they shoot. I can't remember, but. Uh, until like twenty minutes into the at the end of the movie, it's like you've got to be kidding me! Really, this is it. It's <laughs> it's such a tease of a title, and then it doesn't really pay off. Yeah, and Jason goes to hell. I I think it's interesting, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty lame movie. Um, I I'm curious to watch it again for a second time at one point. I will admit, I. I didn't like Jason X when I first saw it. I really kind of thought it was a terrible movie. And to a certain extent, <laughs> it still kind of is. But it's really fun because of just how ridiculous it is. And it is. It, I think I had the same reaction the first time I saw it. I was not a fan at all. Yeah. But I think once you <laughs> understand what you're in for, mm-hmm. um, it's just a really fun movie to watch. Yeah. And and I do like that you liken it to Jason Lives because of the fact that it's like it it is sort of that oh well the franchise is taking itself too seriously it's like <laughs> oh we we need to get away from that um, and you know it and so then that brings us to Frey versus Jason which I've always really liked I, Same I thought here. they really did a good job with that team up and I've watched it for I've watched it a few times now and I. I love the way they meshed. I I love the way they brought together the two worlds. 
and the way they brought J- Jason, the the Jason formula into that movie, as well as playing with the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street formula as well. Yeah, it's still so surprising to me that that was even able to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> just with so many different people involved, um, I'm just blown away that that even managed to be a thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, it it could have been just terrible. And the fact that it's not, I think, is maybe why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a really entertaining movie. Yeah, and I remember I I watched that opening weekend when it came out in theaters, and I just had, I just remember being really. I, I remember being very pleased with how that turned out. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's still, you know, and like I said, I've watched it a few times now and it's, it's just, I really enjoy the, the way they worked into that. I mean, I think they, I think they sort of tie, tried to make too much of the different ways that Jason and Freddie have died as far as, Oh, this is the key to the kingdom. <laughs> but it's like, it it's, just the way that I, the way that they were able to be respectful to both franchises in a way that was still a lot of fun. I is, right, and the fact that you do have Robert Englund as uh, Freddy Krueger in that movie. I I mean that 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 right there. It's like you you had to have that happen, otherwise it wasn't going to work as well as it did. I think he was recently quoted as saying he's possibly interested in doing one more. I don't know if that was his way of potentially <laughs> sharing some news, but yeah, yeah. And I and you know, it's like I've seen chatter on that on uh, about that on uh, Twitter uh, recently with the uh, new Halloween uh, just coming out this weekend, where it's like you know the idea of having one more uh, nightmare movie with uh, Robert Englund. And it's like I, I'm curious who you would get to direct it, um, because I I was not a fan of the 2010 reboot. No, it um, was just horrible. I and it wasted like Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger, and it's like when they announced that casting, I loved it because it's like it was coming off of Watchmen, and it's like that is such a good casting. And they just stranded him with a terrible, like it. It was basically it. It felt like the shot for shot remake of Psycho to a certain extent, where it's like it's so pointless and unnecessary to do this movie. Right, and then on top of that, I mean, one of the best things about the first Nightmare on Elm Street are the practical effects, and so yeah. to basically try and do the exact same effects, but instead of using the infinitely more impressive practical effects <laughs> you're going to just do CG yeah. and it was just so painful but yeah i'm i'm curious if if that does happen i'm i'm curious who they would get to direct it it's a shame that wes isn't around anymore to uh direct it cuz mm-hmm. i but i mean honestly i kind of felt like he probably said everything he wanted to say with the character in new nightmare uh which i still really love Sure. Um, and then, you know, and then as far as Friday 13th goes, we, we come to the 2009 reboot, which I I think you and I are both fans <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love it because of the fact that it's like it, it pays tribute to the way this story started before basically 
turning into a uh, typical uh, Friday 13th movie. Right. And again, I keep going back to them, but I feel like it again has a similar tone to Jason Lives and not so much Jason X, but I just think it's so extreme in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought it was a blast and it's been a while since I've seen it. So I'm looking forward to watching it again. But one thing that I do remember um, being really surprised by the first time I saw it in theaters was you're introduced to a cast of characters who were then all killed off about 30 minutes later. And you realize that was the opening sequence. Yeah. And I, I will never forget that because I just could not believe that they spent that much time to introduce us to these characters that honestly weren't that terrible. Yeah. And then to kill all of them off. And then we were introduced to the actual cast. It was an interesting choice. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. And I, to my shame, I still haven't, uh, purchase it I really want to because um, I have always really liked it and I thought uh, Marcus Nispelu, uh, Nispelu directed that and he had also directed the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot which I was not a fan of really um, yeah I, I wasn't a fan of the 2003 one I you know and I think it's partially because of the fact that I just I just watched Toby Hooper's one for the fir first one for the first time. Okay. And like shortly before that remake came out and just like the, the Toby Hooper one's just such a blunt force instrument. It's just it is. like, I couldn't get past the fact that I felt like, I felt like the reboot was too neatly shot yeah like polished i know no, exactly too what you polished. Mean. like it really needed to be grimy it really needed to be uh no budget just you know take no prisoners and it's like yeah. i think that's one of the things that kind of frustrated me about that where and it's like with friday 13th i don't think you'd necessarily have to i i felt like what he did with that movie what what he did with that movie, I I think it worked, and part of it is because of the fact that the way they uh, wrote it, and the fact that you have you you pay tribute to, you know, you kind of remake the first one in like the first ten minutes or so with the mother and all of that stuff, and then you sort of go off and do your own thing, and so like mm -hmm. I that's that's one of the things that I really liked about it. I mean, I think it was around the time that you and I started talking about Friday the 13th. Isn't that when they first started talking about, like, this crazy idea that they were going to do a found footage one? Yeah, it's just bizarre. That was a couple of years ago. I want to say originally it was supposed to come out in, like, January of 2016 or something. And oh, then yeah. Yeah, it, it got to be, like... Ago, and like and I think I think part of what's held that up, which I've recently been reading about, is there's there's been uh, legal legal back and forth between uh, Victor Miller, who wrote the original script for Friday, and Sean S. Cunningham, who produced and directed it. And there's right. been legal hassling uh, between them. So I I think that's part of what's been holding up holding it up. Um, and unfortunately, another casualty of that um, situation, the uh, the Friday the 13th 
video game actually. Um, yeah. I kickstarted helped kickstarted it a few years ago when that was announced, mm. and it was actually like a great idea and. It could have been a ton of fun, but it was pretty buggy on its release. But yeah. they've actually the developers had been actively working on improving everything in the game up until about a month ago. Um, they basically yeah. let everyone know that they were given a cease and desist and could mm-hmm. no longer work on the game. And they had actually future plans for it as well. Yeah, and I and and I've heard about the game, and it's like it's that's unfortunate to hear. You know that that's that's being that's a casualty of it because it's like, and it's funny because I do remember the old Nintendo Entertainment System Friday Thirteenth <laughs> game, which was bizarre and weird and kind of awful. Uh, not E.T. the extraterrestrial <laughs> game awful, but uh, definitely definitely up there in the cheese factor. But um. Yeah, I I've heard good things about that game. And it's funny because of the fact that I know the the lawsuit was recently Victor Miller ended up winning that lawsuit, although I know uh Cunningham's appealing it. Um it's funny because yesterday I started to see news that LeBron James's production company might be doing a reboot of Friday thirteenth. Okay. And I'm 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 kind of curious about that. And it's like it, it's funny because I saw a couple people on Twitter jokingly talk about how um maybe like he should mash up like the Friday 13th reboot with his Space Jam sequel that <laughs> he's producing. And it's like I could see that working in a completely absurd way. <laughs> I actually totally forgot about that Space Jam sequel. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that that mashup probably won't happen. But it's like it's something that I kind of feel like should happen. Now I know. Um, Speaking of mashups, I know there are rumors years ago of a Leprechaun versus Chucky film, and oh, that wow. would be incredible. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that that never came to be. Yeah, I mean the 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 I think the one the one sequel I always the the one sequel I think I've really wanted above anything else as far as horror genre is uh, I I really would have loved for them to be able to do at, uh, Jason versus Frey versus Ash. But gotcha. Sam Raimi put the kibosh on that. But mm-hmm. it's like throwing Bruce Campbell into that mix would have been just absolutely awesome, I think. Well, speaking of Evil Dead, that's another remake that I... <laughs> might get some flack for this, but the Evil Dead remake I thought was unbelievable. And if I was, you know, given the choice between watching the original or the remake, I honestly have to go for the remake. I think I enjoy it more than the first. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know how much flack you would get for that because of the fact that I personally wasn't as big a fan of the remake. I mean, it, it certainly, I think, did some interesting things but overall wasn't a big fan of it but i've i've seen people who are fans of the remake and uh certainly the uh director uh fidi uh alvarez right who, uh, a couple of years ago did don't breathe which was a terrific mm-hmm. uh, thriller um i yeah i mean i i've i've heard some good th- I like I said I wasn't a huge fan of the Evil Dead remake, but I mean I have 
you know, I I'm a fan of the original Evil Dead trilogy. It's been a while since I've seen Army of Darkness, but I always watch Evil Dead Two, <laughs> um, because Evil Dead Two is just so awesomely ridiculous and fun. It is. Um, and uh, I it's been a few years since I've watched Evil Dead, be, but um, it's partially because of the fact that it's pretty intense compared to the first one. I'm compared to the second one, I'm so used to the weird whacked out comedy of the sequel right and uh so i it's been a few years since i've watched the uh the the original evil dead and i've seen a few episodes of uh ash versus evil dead and that was fun that was something i should have given a chance um to i think i only ever saw the very first episode and that's it yeah well, i know part of i know part of the reason why i have a hard time getting into Ash versus Evil Dead is because of the fact that it's like I that was it that debuted like right around the time I was getting married. So it's like I kind of like had other things on my mind. <laughs> so I, I couldn't quite get into it and we didn't have uh we didn't have cable, but I mean we do have the stars app, so it's like I can go back and rewatch it, but uh and I do want to at some point. But yeah, um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the evil that I've I've noticed on social media that it's like people do enjoy the Evil Dead remake and it's it's not without its it's not without its charms, um it's and it's definitely technically uh, terrific movie it's really well directed. What's interesting is they're choosing to just now um, <clears throat> release the unrated cut on blu-ray which i think comes out this week um mm. so i don't even know if i knew that there was an unrated cut and i think it's just kind of funny to think that <laughs> there was footage that was removed from the cut that we saw yeah. <laughs> you know in theaters it just kind of cracks <laughs> me up because of how outrageous it is but yeah that'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. yeah and i i know one of the things that uh i know one of the things that i one of my favorite uh, memories was uh, some friends of mine and I went to uh, see Bruce Campbell and he 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 was at the uh, Midtown Art Theater in uh, downtown Atlanta and he was pres- he was doing a Q and A and stuff before uh, debuting his his debut film The Man with a Screaming Brain. Nice. And uh, that was around the time they first started talking about like an Evil Dead remake or Evil Dead Four. And stuff, stuff like that. And I remember one of the most memorable things I will ever have in my life is having Bruce Campbell in a packed uh, theater talk about the prospect of remaking Evil Dead and saying, how many of you want to see, would love to see Ashton Kutcher <laughs> get raped by a tree? <laughs> and I think if, if, if I remember correctly, you, you know Jeffrey Butzer. He was one of the friends there. He, okay. he was he was there too, and uh, yeah, that was that was something that had everybody. I'm sure just, everyone just lost it. Yeah, it was insane because that was that was right around the time that Ashton Kutcher was kind of as peak celebrity, I think. Um, what other uh, you you mentioned that you have a tendency you tend to uh, watch horror franchises every 
you know, you, you tend to watch franchises in their entirety. What are some of your other uh, favorite franchises? Um, let's see. Other than the big ones, um, I think the last few I watched all the way through, um, a couple of years ago I watched, there are only four, but the Wishmaster series, okay. um, something I'd always wanted to see. The first two are a ton of fun and the second two are just God awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched the Rex series, uh, which was also a lot of fun. I'd seen quarantine before I saw the original. Um, and the original is just insanely intense. Um, mm. same with the sequel, but that was a fun series. Um, a series that I keep meaning to watch, uh, because I love the first two so much. Um, and I know most of the sequels are just considered pure trash, but I keep meaning to sit down and watch all of the Hellraiser films. Mm-hmm. And I think they're like a new Hellraiser just came out. So I think there's something like 13 or 14 Hellraiser yeah, movies I, at I this point. I don't know how that franchise. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think I've only seen the original uh, Hellraiser and it's, and it's one that I kind of want to watch again this month because uh, I re fin- I've watched that uh, one movie, Mandy. That came out mm-hmm. last month with uh, I'm dying Cage. to see it, and uh, it's 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 a fascinating movie, and it reminded me and the friend of mine and I that I watched it with, uh, it it reminded both of both of us immediately thought of Clyde Barker, and uh, Nightbreed and Lost and Lore of Illusions, and okay, uh, he he did the he's basically produced the Hellraiser franchise, and he directed the first one. Right. And uh so I I've been mean because of Mandy, I've been mean to rewatch a couple at least a couple of his movies. And I know the original Hellraisers on Netflix, as well as I think a few others. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I've never seen any of the sequels to that. It's like I I I don't know like I have a I have so many movies that I have to watch that it's like the idea of going through an entire franchise. <laughs> is difficult i know to do. like i it, it's funny as far as the uh we you know i mentioned halloween the new halloween came out i've only seen like the original halloween h2o and now this new one okay so it's like i i know the rest of the movies are mostly kind of terrible <laughs> uh based on reputation but i and i'm curious to see at least the second and the third movie but i just don't necessarily know if i have the patience to watch through all of them yeah it's also a really fun series um and just with friday and nightmare there are just a couple of really bad ones but i mean for the most part there was really only one halloween movie that i just thought was unwatchable and it was (laughs) resurrection um You know, when like a rapper is your headliner, that's usually not (laughs) a great sign. Um, But it was just terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What what are some of your uh, favorite recent horror movies? Um, I think the genre has gotten some really good entries in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in like the early 2000s, it was just mostly filled with a lot of really tame PG-13 horror that was just so generic. Um, yeah. But lately, uh, we've gotten some interesting ones. Um, I think the ones that have really stuck with me are It Follows, uh, The Witch, yeah, uh, The First Conjuring, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I did see Halloween this weekend and definitely loved it. Yeah. No, I I thought I thought they did a really good job of uh doing that story as far as like what would Laurie Strode be like 40 years after. I mean, I think there are some parts about it that I think there are some things about it that don't work quite as well as others. Like I kind of wanted the investigative journalist to like bite it right quickly uh, especially <laughs> the guy he was pretty obnoxious when he uh at the beginning when they were in the uh facility but um overall i thought they did a really good job with that i would agree with that and i feel like i'm forgetting a couple um that have been recent uh a quiet place was really good mm-hmm. and that was this year yeah um, but I feel like there's some big ones from the past few years that I'm forgetting. What about it? What do you think of uh, it? Uh, so it had been a long time since I'd seen the original. Um, <laughs> and honestly, the original so long that I think I only ever caught bits and pieces of it as a kid whenever mm-hmm. it was just on TV. And I don't even know that I saw it like from beginning to end ever. Um, so the only thing I really even remember about the original is just Tim Curry's performance. Yeah. Um, which is obviously incredible, mm-hmm. but um, so I loved the new it, and I haven't yeah. seen it since it was in theaters, um, and have been meaning to give it a another watch. But mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed the new one. Yeah, I I really I've I've been a fan of the main series for a long time with Tim Curry, and yeah, I I thought I thought the first I I thought chapter one was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the sequel. Uh, to chapter two next year. Yeah. And I guess the official cast has been announced at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that, that cast it in itself, it's like James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader are mm-hmm. like, I can't wait to see Bill Hader in a horror movie. <laughs> like, I'm, no. I'm so fascinated what that's going to be like. <laughs> um, have you seen hereditary yet? That's okay. That was one that I was forgetting to mention. Um, (laughs) That is probably the only horror movie that has affected me um, in a really long time. I was seriously disturbed by it, which is Mm -hmm. nothing but praise. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was just blown away. And Mm -hmm. something that still has stuck with me, um, I was just so surprised watching in theaters that and I'm, I don't even have to say really what happened because I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. but that yeah. moment that happens about halfway through the movie mm-hmm. um, is such a huge moment. And I'm just so relieved and surprised that the marketing team decided to not reveal that in the trailer. I mean, I know yeah. it wouldn't have been in the trailer, but they didn't even hint that that was going to happen in the movie. So I think that is oh, just yeah. what caught me up. But I still think about that scene since I saw that movie. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I, yeah, I, I've, I'm actually, I'm absolutely the exact same way when it comes to uh, that moment in the movie. Uh, Hereditary is probably the best feature I've seen this year. It's, <laughs> it just, I, I think it is a movie that is, as the years go on, it will very much solidify itself in the same way The Shining did, in the same way The Exorcist has in that it's just such a gut punch and especially that one scene that you're talking about and i that was there are not many moments in cinema in movies that not only audibly made me gasp but have just left me in bewilderment for minutes afterwards for and sure, that is exactly how I felt the entire yeah <laughs> the and entire it, time. It wasn't even it wasn't even just that particular moment. It was what Ari Aster does afterwards. Right, the way that unfolds, it's like, oh my word! <laughs> it's, it's like, and you know, it's like I I rented from Netflix because I haven't bought it yet and I want to. I'm going to, but I rented from Netflix and then my uh, sister in law. Uh, one who's a horror fan. We saw the uh, new Halloween with her uh, this past weekend. Um, she wanted to see it, so I re- so I let her borrow it. And I, I'm, by preparators, like it's a gut punch. It, it's <laughs> it's really a gut punch. It's like I'm very curious to see what she thinks about it because, uh, yeah, it's and that and you you mentioned the marketing team about that with that movie. The fact that, like, I when I saw, I wanted to see the movie based on the trailers, but I was expecting something along the lines of your typical creepy kid type movie. Right. It's like, oh my god, this is so not that. No, not um, at all. But yeah, no, Hereditary is astonishing, and I mean, it's. It's definitely a gold standard bearer for the genre right now. Yeah, and so I like what you said about it a few minutes ago, how you you know you feel it's going to stand the test of time next to some of the other horror greats. And yeah. that's something that I think about a lot um, whenever I'm watching something is I just like to, I don't know, try and think like, you know, when The Shining came out or The Exorcist, like when people were sitting in that theater watching it opening Mm -hmm. night, like I just wonder if afterwards, like did they know like how big of an impact that movie was going to have on the future of the genre? And I think about that all the time watching, you know, modern movies. And I think that Hereditary might be one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I can say just based on what I know about like the history of the those two movies, The Exorcist definitely did, because I mean it was, and the thing is that was a serious movie. It wasn't just oh it's a cheapo horror movie. No, that was a prestige movie for Warner Brothers. Um, it was a big hit too. Uh, The Shining, I I know it was polarizing at the time. It at the you know it's it's grown in, in reputation I think partially because of the fact that I mean Kubrick's movies have a tendency to do that and then also just the fact that it's like it feels there's very little like it even now 
and it's one of the most I, I would say it's one of the most definitive haunted house movies ever. Definitely. Um, and I mean it's definitely for me personally, it's my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh it's been that way for uh for many, many years and will remain that way. Uh, there's just so much about that movie that has just impacted me. The use of music, the use of sound, the use of cinematography, and the use of the Steadicam, and the use of Jack Nicholson. And it's like, it's easy for to look at The Shining and go, oh, well, it's like he starts off, you know, he... You know, he he ramps up to eleven, but he's already at like six or seven when the movie starts. But it's like, <laughs> but that's what's fun about Jack is just, and there are moments, and like sort of in Hereditary and The Exorcist, there are mo- moments in The Shining where, you know, yeah, there are moments that are just wildly entertained from Jack by Jack Nicholson. There are also moments where he scares the bejesus out of you. Right in that movie, especially when he's corner, especially when Wendy's backing up with this with the bat uh, before she puts him in the in the uh, meat locker in the locker, and uh, he like that is that is one of the scariest performances I think any actor has given in a horror film. It is. I mean, the acting is incredible in The Shining, and it's just so unrelentingly bleak the entire time which yeah. i think is its strongest point mm-hmm. uh what what are some of your what are some of your favorite horror movies i mean we've touched on a couple i know but what are some of your favorite horror movies um other than the big ones um the original Pulse, um, which was called Cairo, mm-hmm. I've always loved. I've only seen it a couple of times, but every time I watch it, I'm just blown away. Um, obviously, the American remake was yeah. <laughs> pretty terrible. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I think that's that's what Jessica Alba, isn't it? Um, Kristen Bell. Oh, okay. I don't. Kristen Bell and Ian Somerhalder. I don't remember if I've seen it. It's pretty awful, um, but the original is amazing, and I would definitely recommend it. No, the uh, guy's the one that I'm thinking of with Jessica Alba. That was that's right, her. right. Yeah. The uh, I think this is one of those movies that again was one of the few that affected me when I saw it. Um, but The Ring is still mm. like probably my top ten. Yeah, uh, and while I don't know that it's technically horror. Um, it really hit me pretty hard <laughs> the first time I saw it. Um, but I've seen it, you know, like 50 times at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, but I still am just blown away mostly just by, I mean, the pacing, the cinematography, the acting, I mean, the movie is like beautiful from start to finish and it's yeah. such a fun mystery. You're, you're talking um, about the Gore Verbinski one with, uh, Naomi Watts, right? Or are you I am. Honestly, I prefer the American version to Ringu. Yeah, I I'm the same way. I really do think yeah. it's a better film. Yeah, I mean, I thought even the I thought the first sequel, I thought the Ring Two was all right. 
it wasn't nearly as good as the is the first one. I I I'm with you. I love uh I love Verbinski's film. I I it's probably my favorite PG thirteen horror movie. It's agreed. It's such a it's such a great use of the genre, and it doesn't go too far, and it makes it work. And that's uh, what's yeah. so interesting is they got. Hideo Nakata, the original director yeah. of Ringu, to then direct The Ring 2, <laughs> um, which was an interesting choice. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a great movie, but it had its moments. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, and yeah, when, when uh, Rings came out last year, it was just not that good. <laughs> I, I think, you know, and the thing is, I think part of it is that concept is. I think that concept's so hard to translate to now. Like you can't, it's hard to do something like that with social media being the way it is. So there was a short film on the bonus features of the ring and the short yeah. film was called rings. Did you see that? I'm sorry. I'm... It was attached to the ring twos DVD. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. So that, is actually incredible. It was better mm. than the Ring Two was, and it was just in the special <laughs> features. So it's a twenty-minute short called Rings that was supposed to bridge the gap between the first and the second, and it is amazing. Okay. Um, and the new Rings, as soon as I saw that that's what they were calling it, I wondered if they were going to go the same route that this short film did, and mm. they sort of went that way. Um, but I seriously recommend watching it um okay. it's such an idea they basically there's like this underground group of kids pretty much um who are watching the tape themselves and then they're seeing how far they can go before basically giving up so you know everyone has seven days before they're going to die but they try and see how far they can get because their hallucinations hmm. um it you know, more and more like visceral each day. Um, and so, but they have this group set up where they have like a buddy system basically. And so before someone watches the tape, they get someone else to basically promise that they will watch their copy um, when they tell them to, to save their life. Hmm. Um, so it's a really cool idea, but obviously it's about the main character whose buddy ends up, you know, bailing on him. Yeah. Um, that's where the ring two actually starts. If you remember how the ring two starts. Yeah, I think so. It, it's been a while since I've seen the ring two. It's amazing. And I would definitely recommend watching that short. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of rings last year when that came out. It's like, eh, it was just very, it wasn't that good. I thought the opening sequence on the plane was such a cool idea, but that is like the only part in the movie that I loved. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what do you, I can't remember, uh, what, cause I feel like we've, we, we must've talked about, it. um, what, what, how, how do you feel about, uh, the Blair Witch Project and then, your your sort of thoughts on uh, found footage in general? Um, I'm trying to remember when I first saw the Blair Witch Project. I did not see it when it first came out, although I was aware of it when it came out. Yeah. Um, I mean, this will show my age, but I 
was in first grade when the Blair Witch came out. And I don't even know why I remember I was in first grade, but I mean, even back then, like I was just so fascinated by horror because it was something that I just couldn't really experience at that time. Right. So I would like hear about the Blair Witch project all the time. Even, you know, like the kids I went to school with, you know, yeah. they're first graders yeah. and they're talking about this movie that I kept hearing about. Um, who knows how many of them had actually seen it, but I kept hearing about this Blair Witch everywhere as a kid. Um, and so I honestly can't even remember when I finally ended up watching it, but I do remember just thinking like I wasn't even back then, like I wasn't sure if what I was hearing, if, you know, if it was just a movie or not. And I just remember hearing about like the articles online. Um, and again, the marketing team just, I mean, they killed it. That was like, for sure why it was such a success. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember, man, that, that really shows the age disparity between (laughs) us for you mentioned that you were in first grade when the Blair Witch came out. It's like, I was a, I think I was in my going into my fourth year of college. Um, I was, so I, I remember like I was, I was, I was knee deep into movies at that point. I was obsessed with movies. I was worrying about movies and all of that. And uh, when Blair Witch came out, it's like I I remembered that came out the same that that started its run in limited release the same week as Eyes Wide Shut came out. Uh, and I saw it. So I saw Eyes Wide Shut over the weekend, and then. That Monday, I had summer classes. I finished up those summer classes. I basically rushed to the Terror 4 in Buckhead, which okay. was the only theater that was playing at. And there was a line for the the movie. And it was all about the Blair Witch, because I think they had on two screens. And uh, they were the only town that had... They were only the only place in town that had it. And I think I ended up in the fifth row from the front at Terra in like one of their biggest auditoriums. And if you've ever been to the Terra, you know how big their biggest auditoriums are. It's massive. Um, And so the idea that was like five rows from the front, that was (laughs) freaky. That was was freaky. Even for somebody who was going on 22 at that age, at that time, it was just, I it had it had that impression on me. And uh I ended up not seeing I, I saw it a few more times in theaters because I really loved it. And then uh I completely bypassed Book of Shadows the next year for a variety <laughs> of reasons, not the least of which because of the terrible reviews which were justified after I saw the movie finally. Um and then I actually did like the way they did Blair Witch a couple of years ago, the the reboot of it, I thought was I thought was interesting. It was, it was interesting. And before I go any further, I just remembered that Blair Witch came out in 1999. I don't know where first grade came from. I was 10 years old in 99, okay. so <laughs> okay, disregard that. I, I was not <laughs> white as old. Um. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the new Blair Witch. It it did a lot of things right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought it did very wrong <laughs> was to completely go against um, 
one of the strongest points of the original, and that's, you know, that less is more. And yeah. they end up showing the witch, which I think was not a good idea at all. Yeah. yeah. No, and that and that's that's completely fair. It's like no, I, I wouldn't I I enjoyed Blair Witch. I thought it was I thought it was a decent sequel, but yeah, you're right. I mean, less is more was is definitely not of not in that movie. <laughs> but uh, and but the fact of the matter is, it's like I think that that you know we were talking about ring and rings and trying to update that premise. It's like I felt like they kind of did a decent job of trying to update the Blair Witch premise, um, for modern day. Technology mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because I mean, let's let's face it, modern day technology, you kind of have to go out of your way to get lost, right? Um, with GPSs on our phones and all of that stuff, you kind of have to go on out of your way to get lost. So, um, the way that they brought in sort of supernatural elements into it, um, I I think was a decent job. You know, it it's. I I I think it kind of met my expectations, such as they were, but it's like I wouldn't necessarily say more than that. Right, and with the whole found footage documentary, even after it's been just completely overdone to death, um, there are still some occasionally that will surprise me, and I'm still I'm surprised that that genre is still even a thing. Um, yeah, but they're still getting made and. Occasionally, something comes out that is really great. Um, I think the last mockumentary that I think is just incredible is actually The Last Exorcism. Yeah. Um, love The Last, last Exorcism. Um, I just recently rewatched, and it's a really fun movie, is As Above, So Below. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this movie, I don't know if you've seen it, called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Robert England is in it. Um, it's a really smart movie, but it's you know similar to Scream, where it's just breaking down the tropes of the genre. Um, mm-hmm. But it's about a documentary crew that interviews someone who's basically you know, a Freddy or a Michael or a Jason. And they're, you know, they're asking him, you know, like, you know, how do you like pick your victims and stuff like that? And he goes into detail and they even follow him on some of his kills. Um, It's actually (laughs) a really smart movie. It's a lot of fun. Okay. All right. What'd you think of uh, Sinister? I was so excited about Sinister. I thought the trailer was incredible. Um, a really frightening premise and I was completely let down and I know people, there are people that love Sinister and I have not seen it since it was in theaters. Um, I think the first, as far as I remember, I thought the first half was really strong and then the second half was just awful. Hmm. Um, towards the end when all of these like ghost kids show up, I was like completely done with the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay i was curious about that because i i am somebody who really likes sinister but uh yeah I, I i can kind of see how the second half of it you know would sort of be yeah the the first half of it is definitely more interesting and uh yeah when once you start getting into the uh 
second half where it's a little bit more traditional horror and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that that's I I can kind of see that and I cuz I kind of feel like that sort of was when when I saw Sinister 2 a couple of years later, that was it it was like some of the things that were really good about Sinister in my opinion and then a lot of stuff that I wasn't that big a fan of in Sinister. So, yeah. Well, something that I love about its premise so much, um, it's kind of, you know, similar to The Ring in that it's, I guess, ultimately about, like, evil, you know, like, living in film and media. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much that you can do with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I think I follow uh, C. Robert Cargill, who was was the co-writer on Sinister, and uh, he he mentioned somebody he mentioned recently on his uh, Twitter feed that you know when when he was pitching the idea, like the way he pitched it was it's like this you know you you've heard found footage movies it's like this is about the guy who finds the footage, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like yeah that's I mean it's it's a good hook it's an interesting hook definitely, and uh, but yeah there. You're you're absolutely right as far as the uh that and the that and the ring having that in common as far as uh evil being on film and media and just sort of existing while also sort of cursing the person that watches it. Right. Yeah. And now that I think about it, there are two other mockumentaries I really enjoyed uh over the past few years. There's um one called Grave Encounters, and there's a sequel also, which was terrible. Hmm. Uh, but the first, um, I think it's been on Netflix for a while, it just follows a crew of ghost hunters um, in an abandoned asylum. Um, really, really creepy. And then there's another one called Hell House LLC that is amazing. Hmm. Um, the movie starts off with opening night of some new haunted house and uh we're like down inside the haunted house with the with the people and something starts happening and we're not quite sure what and someone ends up basically dying on opening night of this haunted house and so the rest of the movie um goes back in time and we watch of course the people you know who had um, set up this haunted house, recorded everything that they did. I know, <laughs> not plausible in the slightest, but so we get to see, you know, everything that led up to that opening night of the haunted house, and it's actually really well done, um, really creepy, and I definitely recommend that. Okay, what are some of what are some of your uh, sort of below the radar movies that maybe people aren't as familiar with? Th- uh, other than the two that you just mentioned, um, that you would recommend? Um, there is an Australian horror comedy I watched maybe a year ago called Housebound that is hilarious. Um, also has some pretty creepy moments, and it's one that I need to watch again, but I would definitely recommend Housebound. It's really tough to balance horror and comedy, and mm-hmm. it fails more often than it succeeds <laughs> um but housebound definitely surprised me really funny movie um trying to think if there's anything else 
not the top of my head right now, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, there are definitely a few options there for uh, people to uh, check out if they're so interested. Uh, what would what would you say is probably? I mean, we we talked a lot about slashers uh, off the bat. Would you say that's probably your favorite um, style of horror, or do you have a particular favorite? I think so, and honestly, what I love about slashers so much is I just prefer horror, like the antagonist in horror, just to be like one being rather Mm -hmm. than just random scares happening throughout, which is usually found in like, you know, the ghost genre, um, haunted houses, stuff like that. But in slashers, they usually, well, the best slashers, you know, they came up with a single character that is... There's usually something really unique about him, like, you know, the way that he either lives or the way that he can kill people. Um, Obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street is probably just the best example. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what I love about slashers so much is each one just has that unique character. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to go into a little bit of a different, if you can uh, figure, if you can uh, name some. What what are what would you say are some of the worst horror films you've ever seen? <laughs> oh man. Um I wish I had thought about this before <laughs> now. Yeah. I have seen so many bad ones. <laughs> um I mean, some of the worst ones I've ever seen are also some of my favorites. Yeah. So I guess if I think in that sense, um, and that's probably a better way of that. That's probably a better way of bringing it up. Anyway, is like, what ones do you are not good but are a lot of fun? Okay, so. so <laughs> I mean, probably the biggest, which most people have seen, but it truly is just like, it has to be seen to be believed, is Troll 2. Yeah. Um, And even on top of that, the documentary about it, Best Worst Movie, is Mm. just fascinating, but also really tragic somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that is an interesting double feature to watch for sure. Um, There's this boutique home video label that I'm a huge fan of called vinegar syndrome. And they basically specialize in tracking down and rescanning the original film elements of just terrible horror films. <laughs> um, and then giving it the criterion treatment. Um, so their Blu-rays are always just stunning, but what's so mm-hmm. cool about it is you're seeing the stunning presentation of just awful movies. <laughs> um, and they usually even end up tracking down the filmmakers and they get them to do new interviews. And I mean, a lot of these are movies that people love just because of how ridiculous they are. But um, I've been collecting a lot of their stuff lately. And one of theirs that I saw um, that is terrible, but so much fun is called Demon Wind. <laughs> um, Demon Wind and Bloodbeat. Uh, we're both remastered by Vinegar Syndrome recently, but they're a ton of fun and just awful movies. Okay. All right. Um, well, with that being said, I think that's probably a good good place to 
good place to wrap things up. Uh, I'm really glad we were able to do this conversation. Um, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And uh, definitely, definitely want to have you back and uh, talking, talking more about movies in general, about horror movies we can talk about, and uh, just just all sorts of uh, stuff. Sounds good. Okay, I'd like to thank Jay Barber for joining me tonight. It was a uh, lot of fun to have him on the podcast, and I really enjoyed talking to him. I hope you enjoyed hearing him. I and I definitely plan on having him back in the future because uh it's always fun to talk to him about movies and talk to him about horror movies in particular. Um thank you very much for joining me for the Sonic Cinema podcast. Uh check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Um rewards are probably gonna be a bit scarce as the uh holidays get nearby, but I hope to still make it your worth your while with early access uh reviews and uh much more. And then when we hit uh two thousand nineteen, uh it's gonna be fast and furious with the podcast, with Patreon. I've got a lot of big ideas and uh hopefully Jay will be a part of that. And uh for now, though, this is uh, Brian Scuttle. Thank you very much for joining me at the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Have a good day.